Section 32 of Dangerous Connections. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dangerous Connections by Pierre Coderlo de la Clos. Section 32, letters 156 to 160. Letter the 156th, Cécile Volange to the Chevalier d'Anceny, enclosed in the preceding how is it my dear friend that i see you no longer when i never cease to desire it do you no longer care so much about it as i do ah nowadays i am very sad indeed sadder even than when we were entirely separated the pain i once had through others comes now from you and that hurts far more you know quite well that it is some days since mamma has been away from home and I hoped you would try and profit by this time of freedom. But you do not even think of me. I am very unhappy. You told me so often that my love was less than yours. I knew the contrary, and here is the proof. If you had come to see me, you would have seen me indeed. For I am not like you. I only think of what will reunite us. If you had your deserts, I would not say anything of all I have done for that, and of the trouble it has given me. But I love you too well, and I wish so much to see you that I cannot refrain from telling you, and then I shall soon see afterwards if you really love me. I have managed so well that the porter is in our interests, and he has promised me that, whenever you came, he would let you in, as though he didn't see you, and we can depend upon him, for he is a very obliging man. It is only a question, then, of keeping out of sight in the house, and that is very easy if you come at night, when there is nothing at all to fear. For instance, since Mamma has been going out every day, she goes to bed every night at eleven o'clock, so that we should have plenty of time. The porter told me that, if she should come like that, instead of knocking on the gate, you would only have to knock at his window, and he would open at once for you, and then you will easily find the back staircase, and as you will not be able to have a light, I will leave the door of my room ajar, which will always give you a little light. You must take great care not to make any noise, especially in passing Mamma's back door. As for my maids, that is no matter, as she has promised me not to awake. She is a very good girl, too. And to leave, it will be just the same. Now we shall see if you will come. Ah, oh God, why does my heart beat so fast while I write to you? Is some misfortune going to come to me, or is it the hope of seeing you which troubles me like this? What I feel most is that I have never loved you so much, and have never longed so much to tell you so. Come then, my friend, my dear friend, that I may be able to repeat to you a hundred times that I love you, that I adore you, that I shall never love any one but you. I have found the means of informing Monsieur de Valmont that I have something to say to him, and as he is a very good friend he is sure to come to-morrow and i will beg him to give you this letter immediately so that i shall expect you to-morrow night and you will come without fail if you would not make your cecile very unhappy adieu my dear friend i embrace you with all my heart paris fourth of december seventeen in the evening letter the hundred and fifty seven the Chevalier d'Anceny to the Vicomte de Valmont. Do not doubt, my dear Vicomte, 
either of my heart or of my proceedings. How could I resist a desire of my dear Cecile's? It is indeed she, she alone whom I love and whom I shall always love. Her ingenuousness, her tenderness have a charm for me for which I may have been weak enough to allow myself to be distracted, but which nothing will ever efface. Embarked upon another adventure without, so to speak, having perceived it, often has the memory of Cecile come to trouble me in the midst of my sweetest pleasures, and perhaps my heart has never rendered her truer homage than at the very moment I was unfaithful to her. However, my friend, let us spare her delicacy and hide my wrongdoings from her, not to surprise her, but so as not to give her pain. Cecile's happiness is the most ardent vow that I frame. I would never forgive myself a fault which had cost her a tear. I feel I have deserved your jesting remarks upon what you call my new principles, but you can believe me when I say that it is not by them I am guided at this moment, and from to-morrow I am determined to prove it. I will go and accuse myself to the very woman who has been the cause of my error, who has participated in it. I will say to her, Read my heart. It has the most tender friendship for you, friendship united to desire so greatly resembles love. Both of us have been deceived, but, though susceptible to error, I am not capable of breach of faith. I know, my friend. She is as noble as she is indulgent. She will do more than pardon me. She will approve. She herself often reproached herself with betraying friendship. Often her delicacy took alarm at her love. Wiser than I, she would strengthen in my soul those useful fears which I rashly sought to stifle in hers. I shall owe it to her that I am better, as to you that I am happier. Oh, my friends, divide my gratitude. The idea that I owe my happiness to you enhances its value. Adieu, my dear Vicomte. The excess of my joy does not prevent me from thinking of your sorrows and from sharing them. Why can I not be of use to you? Does Madame de Torvel remain inexorable, then? I am told also that she is very ill. God, how I pity you! May she regain at the same time her health and her indulgence, and forever make your happiness. These are the praise of friendship. I dare hope that they will be heard by love. I should like to talk longer with you, but the hour approaches, and perhaps Cecile already awaits me. Paris, 5th of December, in 17... Letter the 158th the Vicomte de Valmont to the Marquise de Merteuil, upon awaking. <sighs> upon awaking. Well, well, Marquise, how are you after the pleasures of last night? Are you not somewhat fatigued by them? <laughs> Admit now that Danceny is charming, he performs prodigies this youth you did not expect it of him am i not right indeed i will do myself justice i richly deserved to be sacrificed to such a rival seriously he is full of good qualities but above all what love what constancy what delicacy 
oh if you were ever to be loved by him as his cecile is you would have no rivals to fear he proved that to you last night perhaps by dint of coquetry another woman may rob you of him for a moment a young man can hardly refuse enticing provocations but a single word from the beloved object suffices as you see to dispel this illusion thus you have only to be that object in order to become perfectly happy you will surely make no mistake there you have too sure a tact that you need ever fear that however the friendship which unites us as sincere on my part as it is recognized on yours made me desire for you the experience of last night it is the work of my zeal it has succeeded but i pray you no thanks it is not worth the pains nothing could have been easier in fact what did it cost me a slight sacrifice and a little skill i consented to share the favours of his mistress with the young man but after all he has as much right to them as i and i took such scant account of them the letter which the young person wrote to him was of course dictated by me but it was only to gain time because we had a better use for it the one i added to it oh, that was nothing next to nothing a few friendly reflections to guide the new lover's choice but upon my honour they were not required the truth must be told he did not hesitate for an instant moreover in his candour he is to go to you to-day to tell you everything and assuredly the story will please you mightily he will say to you read my heart this he has told me and you quite see that that repairs everything i hope that while reading what he would have you will also perhaps read that such young lovers have their dangers and again that it is better to have me for a friend than an enemy adieu marquise until the next occasion paris sixth december seventeen letter the hundred and fifty ninth the marquise de merteuil to the vicomte de valmont i do not like people to follow up sorry conduct with sorry jests it is neither in my manner nor to my taste when i have ground of complaint against people i do not quiz them i do better i avenge myself however satisfied with yourself you may be at the present moment 
do not forget that it would not be the first time if you were to find that you were premature and quite alone in applauding yourself in the hope of a triumph which had escaped you at the very moment when you were congratulating yourself upon it adieu paris sixth of december seventeen Letter the hundred and sixtieth, Madame de Volanges to Madame de Rosemonde. I write to you from the chamber of your unhappy friend, whose state has remained almost always the same. There is to be a consultation of four physicians this afternoon. That is, unhappily, as you know, more often a proof of danger than a means of relief. It seems, however, that her mind was somewhat restored last night, the waiting-maid informed me this morning that just before midnight her mistress called her, that she wished to be alone with her, and that she dictated to her a fairly long letter. Julie added that, whilst she was busy in making the envelope for it, Madame de Tourvel's delirium returned, so that the girl did not know to whom she was to address it. I was astonished at first that the letter itself had not been sufficient to inform her, upon which she answered me that she feared to make a mistake, that her mistress, however, had greatly charged her to have it dispatched immediately. I took upon myself to open the packet. I found there the communication which I send you, which, in fact, is addressed to everybody and to nobody. I think, however, that it was to Monsieur de Valmont that our unhappy friend meant at first to write, but that she gave way, without perceiving it, to the disorder of her ideas. I judged that the letter should not be given to anybody. I send it you, because you will learn from it, better than you can from me, what are the thoughts which fill our patient's head. As long as she remains so keenly affected, I shall have no hope. The body recovers with difficulty, when the mind is so ill at ease. Adieu, my dear and revered friend. I congratulate you upon being at a distance from the sad spectacle which is continually before my eyes. Paris, 6th of December, 1700 End of section 32